Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow, rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at BreakpointPodcast7, Twitter at BreakpointPod7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Marcus, and my co-host, Frankie. Today, we're going to be discussing something that we've been wanting to talk about for quite a while, um, but there wasn't just enough details out about what's going to kind of happen and where the direction of where they're going in uh, until now. So that is the professional tennis players. Is a professional tennis players association, Frankie? Am I right? Okay, cool. Um, which is the, called the PTPA for short, which is a player union led by none other than Novak Djokovic and also Vasek Pospisil. Um, Vasek Pospisil is a kind of a journeyman Canadian player who has been advocating for this for years, um, but it finally had the guts to kind of make this all come to fruition. And Djokovic has kind of been been with him by his side um, after Djokovic kind of disagreed with everybody on the ATP Player Council. And uh, lots of players have followed in their path since. And they started up during uh, the U.S. Open a couple of years ago during the COVID Open um, and now have kind of grown a lot more since then. They've actually got like a legitimate list of players who have joined. Um, They've got someone who's going to kind of commission, you know, the the team as an executive director, uh, Ahmad Nassar, who used to be the president of the NFL Players Incorporation. So um, it kind of the way that the structure works is that it kind of just focuses on a wide range of issues, um, advocating for different pay structure, assistance with understanding and, and understanding and appealing various fines, um, kind of addressing the scheduling of tennis. The uh, Another example that recently came up was the lack of continuity with the tennis balls from week to week. So they kind of just address all the players' kind of issues with the tour that the ATP seemingly is trying to care about, but maybe not enough. And maybe it's not working in the players uh, favor enough. So Frankie, walk us through a little bit of what you think the PTPA kind of means, um, what it stands for and what it kind of means for the, for the players on, on the tour. And this includes men's and women's, by the way, the PTPA. Yeah. Um, which is something that we'll get into about how the WTA and the ATP need to just merge already. But, uh, I think it's I think what the what the PTPA stands for is the sort of asymmetrical uh, motives um, sort of incentives that go on with the ATP tour and the players themselves has finally sort of just come to a head. Right. So just for context for everyone, because I think that this is like an important thing that tennis has that most other organizations do not have or professional sports organizations do not have is that the ATP tour is technically is technically like a a group of 
professional tennis players like themselves controlling the overarching body, right? Like Andrea Gaudenzi, who is the head of the ATP, is a former player himself, right? This isn't a situation like the NFL where like Roger Goodell is never played football like in any professional sense or like Major League Baseball where Rob Manfred, the commissioner, has not played professional baseball in any sense he's representing the owners or the nfl where they're representing the owners like the atp tour is is supposed to be by the players for the players the wta tour like was founded by billy jean king in the group of you know nine like all of these things so it has always been a player controlled body but what has happened over time is that the sort of a corruption which we're we're not even going to touch this episode but B, the sort of wanting to grow uh, the game and appeal to corporate sponsors versus the needs of the players have sort of diverged. And that's sort of what the PTPA is about, is that the ATP tour really consists of former professional tennis players, but now they're business businessmen. They're businessmen, business people. But they're not touring professionals anymore. Like They have a seat at the ATP Player Council, but they're not actually like touring professionals anymore. What this PTPA's, I think their goal is, is to say, hey, ultimately the ATP tour is a business. It's controlled by businessmen. They have the needs of like their, their incentive is profit, right? Like that, that's what their goal is. Um, what the PTPA is, is saying we are trying to make the lives of tennis players as good as possible. Um, current tennis players as good as possible. And I'm sure that they have some stuff about like, you know, for the future and whatnot, but that is I, what I understand it to be. Um, I'd also just like to point out that like, it's a matter of collective bargaining in a sense, right? Like if you Vox had a, I posted this on the Instagram as well on one of our stories, but Vox had a phenomenal sort of 10 minute YouTube video sort of talking about how like horrible really the ATP tour is at maximizing its profits and share sharing those revenues with the players. Um, I think right now it's something like of all of the revenue generated by the ATP tour, 22% of it goes towards the players, um, which is like a laughable percentage versus like the NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball are all between like 48 to 51%. So that's sort of the discrepancy that we're talking about. And I think that the way that the ATP Tour has really just gotten away with that is that um, they really just pay the top players pretty well. But even then, like not really. Um, but I, I think that's that's pretty much how they've gotten away with it. But there's just... There's a lot of corrupt. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's just a lot of corruption that I'm not even going to get into on this episode because it's just not like the medium that I would talk about all of that. But that's that's my rough take on all of this. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much there's no pre PTPA. There was really no kind of platform for players to kind of voice their displeasure or kind of initiate change so for example if you have the nba where every six 
years, 10 years, you have a collective bargaining agreement, you got the players association and the owners, they go to the table, they negotiate and the players kind of get at least somewhat what they want with the ATP. There's really no, there's, there's no option because they don't have that type of agreement. You're an independent contractor when you're a tennis player and um, you know, there's really no other place to go. So if you're a pro tennis player, there's no multiple tours, which there used to be back in the day, but now there's not. And I think that's great for the game, but also kind of monopolizes in terms of kind of being able to control player movement, control tournaments, control prize money, control uh, the appeal system when it comes to like anti-doping and and all these things. So um, it's kind of a player union is, has been needed for a while probably, but it's finally come to a point where I think players like Pospisil Djokovic are really fed up. And, you know, this is also something kind of for the future of the game where other sports are starting to take over. Um, I think tennis is still very popular, but with the introduction of, of pickleball and Padel and just generally other sports in, in, in general, especially in, in the United States, um, you're going to have less kind of incentive for players to go out there and go kill themselves and uh, live this tour life with barely making any sort of money. So um, it, it's, it's something that kind of needed to be done. And I just want to see where they go with this specifically with when it comes to actually getting change and sitting down with the ATP and negotiating kind of, okay, we need to restructure revenue sharing between us, the tournaments, the organizers. Cause you also have to realize all these tournament organizers as well are also independent contractors. So they're kind of just getting the licensing rights from the ATP, but they want to run the tournament as they see fit. They want to schedule when they see fit. Obviously the ATP has some bylaws and stuff, but in terms of revenue sharing, um, I could see a lot of tournaments being like, you know what? I'm not really cool at this because we're not going to be making as much money. Um, you know, for example, if we take the Grand Slams, which by the way, the Grand Slams are not even run by the ATP; they're run by the ITF, which is a whole nother ridiculous thing. Um, these Grand Slams make dumb, dumb amounts of money, and the players are getting like a little hair of that revenue. So it, it's something that absolutely needs to be fixed, and um, I don't know, Frankie, like where do we kind of see this going? Is this something that's actually going to pick up momentum? Do we think this is going to actually be a driving force in tennis? Because so far it's been pretty slow um, and we haven't heard too much about it besides from Pospisil and Djokovic, but when is enough going to kind of be enough for the players? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, just on the USTA, because I I always love ragging on them as much as possible. the USTA sold like $11 million, I think, worth of honeydews alone, which is more than enough to cover like the winner of the men's tournament, the women's tournament, and the runners-up, and probably all the semifinals. Like, it's it's just a laughable amount of revenue generated, right? I mean, I think the US, the US Open alone probably generates like, if I wanted to guess right, like $400 million, like, in a single tournament, like... The players are not getting paid out two hundred million dollars. I can tell you that right now. Um, and you know, it's just we need to move. I to answer your question. Number, sorry, just go back to the USDA for a second. There's also a New York Times article that sort of speaks about like how the USDA has like dodged taxes for years, like under this veil of being a nonprofit, whatever. People should absolutely go read that because what they do is just such a joke. But 
moving on from them because I could I, w- I want to do a whole episode where I just ream them out. But yep. um, what the U what the what the ATP and the PTPA probably will end up doing is that once the WTA and the ATP merge, right? Because that that is already starting to happen. There's whispers that it's going to happen. They're merging other stuff on the side to like collectively bargain their media rights to people like i'm sure that that will quell a lot of the you know momentum that the ptpa has however what i will say is is that the ptpa has a lot of really powerful players on it um including novak Djokovic, who i give a lot of credit for in this regard for starting this and standing firm with it and really like looking out for the smaller players and players from countries who don't necessarily have like a tremendous endorsement, you know, sort of pool that they can look to and sponsorship pool that they could look to. Um, And Novak deserves a lot of credit for that because that's something that Rafa and Roger really just held silent on while Roger collected his $30 million check from Lint chocolates. So, you know, I'll just, say that on the outset um because i'm always usually ragging on novak on this podcast but um i think that what ends up needing to happen because as marcus said like ultimately all of these players are independent contractors is that you need to probably move towards a system like what the pga tour has for golf which is the most similar sort of sport to tennis and the fact that it's an individual competition of you need to have like if you win like x amount of tournaments like you get a pga tour card you get a tour card and you can enter into any tournament that you want but it having a tour card entitles you to certain privileges and it's only reserved for people who are in like the top you know 200 500 or you win a certain tournament like you know you could just google like a pga tour card and find out but like that's probably what the atp tour needs to like move towards like I think to say that the ATP tour is going to at one point be able to support like a thousand players, professional tennis players in a worldwide game. It's just, that's just not going to happen like that. That would be crazy for any sport, right? For that to happen. Um, That's individual rather. Um, But can it do better than what it does now? Can we be able to support like the top 250 players um in tennis on the men's and women's sides comfortably that they don't have to go into debt to continue their career yes i don't i i think that that is a reasonable goal that they should have yeah and there are different now that now that i think about it i mean there are a couple different ways and i think this kind of ties back into we're, we're missing a big piece of this whole puzzle and that is the tournament organizers and owners themselves because like we mentioned they're a third party that's not affiliated directly with the ATP. Yeah, they got to get licensing and follow ATP bylaws. But in terms of how they want to run a tournament, in terms of how they want to give under the table money, um, a lot of players do get appearance fees. So Djokovic, when he plays in Dubai or Doha or something, uh, it's not because he genuinely wants to go there. It's because he's getting a nice fat paycheck to go there. So instead of maybe... You know, if they want to do that, fine. But I think that, like, for example, if you want to have a full 32 player draw, um, the tournament organizer should pay for 32 hotels and 32 flights to that tournament. Because if you want to go host that event, that doesn't happen at any other tournament or any, any, any other sport, right? 
Do you agree or am I saying something crazy here? Um, I think it gets a little bit more complicated when you talk about like qualifying and all this stuff, other sort of side things, and then different players have different teams and whatever. It could get a little bit complicated with what, with what you're saying. However, what I do agree with that I think you'll agree with is that there needs to be a collective bargaining that goes on between the AT, like the actual current tennis players, like the PTPA and the tournament organizers, like the tournament organizers need to come together collectively, agree on certain terms, set their own, you know, do their thing, meet with the players and then say, Hey, this is the anticipate. This is, this is the revenue share that we're looking for. The players say this is the revenue share that we're looking for. They come together, they collectively bargain, agree on it for a certain term of years, and move on. They can't have this sort of like system where it's like the ATP just like shooting out licenses to people, and that's how you get this like weird, jagged schedule that's disconnected and has different like rules with different balls and different like all of these different things. Like it needs to just be sort of pushed together into just being more centralized. And the ATP needs to be doing more of this stuff in-house um, with the tournament organizers. Yeah, I think kind of kind of like what they used to do in terms of like kind of like having multiple like having a bunch of tournament organizers, for example, if we go to like the US Open series, I'll take that an example. So we've got like Atlanta, Washington, um, you know, Toronto, Cincinnati, like all these tournaments, like have that kind of set up as a Grand Prix, have all those organizers come together and agree on terms in terms of revenue share, uh, types of balls, rest, you know, travel accommodations, whatever for the players, and then set that in motion so that when the players do come, they know, okay, I know exactly when and when, when and how I'm going to play. I'm going to play. Like, it's crazy, dude, Frankie, the U S open series, doesn't even use U.S. Open tennis balls until the U.S. Open. Makes sense. No notes. Like, I mean, what the hell are we doing? And the same thing, let's take the, if we take the clay court one, the same thing, set up like a, like a French Open Grand Prix. Like a, a, Euro, a European Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like a clay court Grand Prix, you've got Monte Carlo, Rome, you know, Barcelona, like all these, you know, Madrid, all these clay court tournaments. Same ball, relatively same prize money. Okay, Barcelona, a little bit lower level. You can do that, et cetera. But then give out incentives for how they do within, like you can rack up points and whoever gets, you know, a certain amount of points or within that kind of pay structure, you can dish out at the end of the French Open once you kind of have it. So like make it into like, you have your overall tour, but then you also have got your mini tour where the organizers come together, agree on set terms with the players, with the ATP, and it's not just a hot mess of, well, this week we're using Wilson's and next week we're using Dunlop's and this week I'm making this much money and that week I'm making no money and this week I got to pay for a hotel, this week I don't have to pay for a hotel. It's just crazy. Like Players can't plan that because obviously we're not expecting the tour or the organized to pay for coaches, um, to pay for their own physios. No, they do always do have on-site physios, but some of these external costs like racket stringing, should racket stringing be included? I mean, players have to play for their own racket string, by the way. I don't know if people know this, but if you're at the U.S. Open and you want to have your racket strung as a pro tennis player, it's 30 bucks a pop. So times that make by... Make that make sense. Literally make that make sense. 
a tournament that generates hundreds of millions of dollars a year is making the players pay for tennis racket stringing. Like and overcharging, gonna, by the way. Are we are we gonna tell LeBron? Oh yeah, by the way, man. Um, turns out like you need a new knee brace. Uh, it's gonna be one hundred fifty bucks for that. Like <laughs> what? What is this? Like it's such a joke. Like yeah. I'm serious. Like it, this is this topic. Like it just drives me crazy because it's just so obviously like just corruption and greed. That's all it is. And that's why, like, the PTPA started. But you have, like, these dense bureaucrats who just sit on top of the ATP tour who don't know their head from their ass. One, and then two, at the slams, they play by, players play by completely different rules. Because why? It's not even managed by the ATP. I mean, the Association of Tennis Professionals is not even managing Grand Slams. It's the ITF which is the International Tennis Federation, which governs technically all tennis, but the ATP does whatever the hell they want. So this is the type; these are the type of issues I think the PTPA is trying to address and that it's like, this is crazy. This needs to be done. Um, and, and another episode that we were going to do, Frankie, is also the, the doping policies that have been going on with the ATP in terms of when they, do, when they test for doping, how they test for doping, what the suspensions are, what the appeal process is. It, it all seems kind of, kind of shady and you and I kind of need to look into what's going on. And then another thing that this will, if we, if the PTPA does get to a point where they're actually effective, Frankie, you know what it'll eliminate or hopefully at least less of match fixing. Oh, the dirty underbelly of tennis that no one wants to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. That the breakpoint pod is going to talk about. Shout out to Nikolai Davidenko. He, he did he ever get f- technically busted? I mean, I thought he was, but I could be wrong. But yeah, I mean, that's like a is that is that is it, I don't know if that's officially known, but I mean, that is like one of the dirty secrets of tennis that oh, Davidenko yeah. was a hundred percent match fixing for at least a portion of his career. Yeah, but it's like, why? Because he felt like he couldn't get enough money and support to fund his own career. So what did he do? He turned to match fixing. I mean, it's kind of yeah, what you, if have you to got do. A, if you got a loan shark offering you like a hundred grand to just throw a match, like that's more money than you probably get if you played an honest match and got to like the quarterfinals of a 250. So yeah, I'd bomb out too. For sure. You take one hit a week, you take a couple of hits a year, and that's it. You've just funded another year of your tour life, and you're still within range. So it's like when when the ATP kind of gets you know all defensive about this and says, oh, no, we need to stop match fixing. It's like, well, do you need to stop match fixing or do you need to fix match fixing? And these are all things that I think the PTPA is trying to address. Be like, hey, we can work together on this, but you got to meet us halfway. Yeah, and I mean, listen, this isn't to say that the PGA Tour that I used as an example is some, like, you know, sparkling city on top of a hill, right? They literally just sold themselves out to Saudi Arabia for a fat paycheck. But guess what? The ATP did it, too, and at least PGA Tour players make a pretty nice living relative to the amount of revenue that they generate. So we need to do better. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. So we're going to keep following the PTP. I think this is going to be more than just a one-time episode, but this was kind of 
just the introduction that Frankie and I wanted to give folks uh, into what's kind of going on, on on that end. Um, but yeah, I think main main things that Frankie and I are looking for are uh, merger of the ATP and the WTA, actual bargaining with tournament directors or tournament owners and the ATP slash WTA. Um, and just please just listen to the players. Like if they're telling you, man, we're getting we're getting injured, we're getting beat up, we can't even you know, I mean, look at towards the end of the season. You got guys like literally like limping on the court with wrist injuries and stuff. Like, just just listen. Yeah, to and it. you've got a joke of a Davis Cup that's also run by a separate organizer. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. No, Frankie and I could rant about this for a while, but we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna wrap things up here. Yeah, the USDA sucks. See you later, guys. <laughs> okay. All right. Take it easy, guys.